Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. Across from me right now is no one. Charlie is not here today, but... On the line via Zoom, I've got Trevor Krause from Students for Liberty. Trevor, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Nate. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Uh, rhymes, you know, you might as well go with it. That's cool. <laughs> so uh, we, you've got a, an event coming up that we're actually going to be going down to. So we'll be talking about that, the event down in Miami. Anyone listening right now, if you want to come hang out in Miami with, uh, with me and Charlie and Trevor, you said you're going too, right? So... And I mean, that's at least worth traveling down to Miami to hang out with the three of us dudes uh, for sure. But before we get into what all is going on with that conference, Trevor, why don't you tell everyone about yourself and what you do at Students for Liberty? Yeah, I'll tell you about myself and then uh, I'll pitch some much cooler and more interesting people who also will be in Miami right. uh, who are much more worth the price of admission. But I'm the <laughs> uh, I'm the story editor, script writer for Learn Liberty, which is Students for Liberty's YouTube channel. Uh, so I do do voiceovers, I write scripts, I do research, conduct interviews. So if you're familiar with the Learn Liberty YouTube channel, that's, uh, that's, that's me and the, the people who do the hard work are, are video producers who make me look good, but I do the research and interviews and and voiceovers. Well, what about some of your, you know, some of your personal backstory? Like what you, what got you into doing all of this? How did you get hooked up with working for students for Liberty? You know, have you always had this political ideology, all that, you know, what's your backstory here? Uh, no, that's a good question. I, uh, in fact, we're working on a video about some myths of socialism in which I am going to confess to the world that I grew up as a socialist or thinking I was one, at least, uh, reading Karl Marx. And, um, it wasn't until I read the fountainhead by Ayn Rand that, um, that I did a 180, I guess you'd say. And it was Liberty con actually in Madrid where I was living in 2020. I was an English teacher there and Liberty con happened to be in Madrid that year. This is March of 2020, one week before everything shut down and i had just an absolute blast I, I had heard through the grapevine that liberty con was coming to madrid it was convenient for me man i i can't tell you how much i how much fun i had and how how much i learned how many interesting people i met and i'm so looking forward to continuing these connections that i just made these great networking contacts and then four days later i'm scrambling to get a flight back to the u.s uh, because everything is closing down, but uh, I, I stuck with, I kept following students for liberty, uh, and now I'm I'm really excited to go back to LibertyCon, and hopefully we don't uh, we can actually keep in touch with in person events events and keep in touch with all these people that we'll meet in Miami. It is nice to be back to uh, a little bit of normalcy with doing some of those events. Now, I've got, got some more questions here. I mean, you said you grew up thinking that you were a socialist, at least. How long ago was it that you made that fountainhead 180 turn? <laughs> um, 2015, 2016. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'll confess that I voted for Bernie Sanders in the Missouri uh, primary. I live in Missouri. 2016. That would have been that the the primary season, 
Uh, and it was shortly after that, I guess, that I, um, I like to think I always had a very logical way of looking at things. I'm a huge sports fan. And so analytics, uh, data, statistics, I'm, I'm, I'm big into that. And I love thinking about things in a very rational, logical way. So I like to think I always had liberty leanings or at least the, the seeds to uh, become a classical liberal, liberal pro-liberty person, however you want to put it. Um, but no, I, I read The Fountainhead. I read some of David Friedman, who I actually got to meet at Liberty Con in Madrid. Um, you know, the, 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 the old guys, Lysander Spooner, Frederick mm. Bastiat. And the more I read, the more logical it seemed. Um, more, I, I mean, you're talking brutal, brutally plain logic, and that's what appealed to me. Now, here, I know that we're going to talk about Students for Liberty and the conference coming up and everything, but I don't know. I'm sure people have told you, but I don't know if you know how important this is, the fact that you voted for Bernie Sanders and you read some books. As and, ashamed as I am. And now you're, yes. now you're working with Students for Liberty. Whatever happened, this has got to be a book. It's got to be bottled up and it's got to be reproduced. So we need to dig down on this just a little bit, okay, before we talk about SFL because I got to identify what the heck happened here. Um, why would you say you had the socialist leanings beforehand? Any specific things that really got to you on that? That's, that's something I haven't thought about before. Um, I had some, some very good friends who were uh, even more lefty than I was. Uh, it seemed like all my, all my friends on my network were at least Democrats or or tended that way. I went to a pretty progressive high school that had uh, photos of Barack Obama on the walls, giving his dramatic speeches in in two thousand eight, and uh, and yeah, I think I think oh eight is when I really got swept up in Barack Obama fever. I mean the 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 passion with which he spoke, uh, his eloquence, and just the the enthusiasm for him was really was really captivating. I grown up, you know, my, my grandpa, my dad would watch politics channels, CNN, and would say, oh, it, you know, George Bush sucks. And hey, fair enough. Um, but yeah, it was really Obama in 08 that, that got me swept up, I think. And I, I, I think it's a good question that you're asking because while we <laughs> don't want to imitate most of that movement the the substance to it the uh the enthusiasm around it is something that we that we should strive for yeah um obama was a really great speaker i'll admit i wasn't super into politics i didn't really know where i leaned when i first heard obama speaking when he was talking about running for president i lived in illinois at the time he was a little bit more uh common around there and when I first heard him, I was like, hey, that sounds like a guy I would vote for. I like what he's saying. I never really thought about any of the stuff he was saying. I just thought he sounded really good and uh, sounded like a guy that I'd want to vote for. And then come election time, I thought that the world was going to end if Obama won uh, because it would have been so much better if John McCain would have been the president, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know uh, which better option we had. Um, and so I'm just trying to, uh, you know, we... 
you said you voted for Bernie. You liked Obama a lot. We spend a lot of time talking about Bernie and about socialism, about pe- about the ideas on the left. And then uh, to know that you know you pinpoint this Ayn Rand book, which is as and the Fountainhead, which is just a exact opposite from all of that. And so I wonder if a lot of your ideas did it have to do with wealth inequality, pay inequality? Was it more you were against? the establishment that we had and you thought that was the best way to go against it that that was that was certainly part of it um and yeah i I don't know if i could have put a a a fine point on any one policy that i really cared about um it was just the yeah it was it was very anti-establishment you know uh and I, and I think even now those are people, there, there are a lot of people out there who just want to buck, buck the trend and, and Bernie Sanders is one way to do that. I mean, and you have to sympathize with, with some of those, some of those voters a little bit because they have, they were totally screwed over by the, by the system. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. a candidate that they really support, uh, just got sort of railroaded by big democratic party politics and in hindsight it it seems like he never really had a shot at the nomination um so people who feel who feel who feel that they're that they're screwed over by the system um i think those are people that our message can connect with yeah and i apologize for putting you so much on the spot with this this might no not at all they're good questions and i enjoy thinking about it i (laughs) appreciate it i just if we are going to you know we can either look at the world and say we're screwed, nothing good's going to happen, we just have to give up and have a civil war, or the alternative is we're going to have to present these ideas and message properly in the way that people are going to end up changing in in the way, in the big change that you went through. Like that's kind of the thing that we want to happen is to be able to reach out to people and to take that 180 that you went through and to be able to do that you have to understand where people are what is it that they are uh, why do they hold those beliefs why are they supporting bernie or whoever it is that's out there right now and before you you can do anything you have to understand where they're coming from for instance at everyone who listens to the show is sick of me telling the story but we had some bernie supporters come up to our table at politicon a couple of years ago upset, irate. We we own the URL BernieLies.com and it was at the top of our banner behind our table. So they come up and they're like red in the face, you know, hearts beating out of their chest, you know, getting mad at us about stuff. And uh, they start talking about healthcare and, you know, about how people can't afford it. And I just said, yeah, you're totally right. Healthcare is way too expensive. We have to do something to fix this. I don't expect that people can pay these outrageous out of out of pocket costs for healthcare. The whole system screwed up. I, I totally agree with you. And it's like once I did that, all that big wall came down and we were able to talk and have a conversation afterwards. We agreed. And I imagine some of the stuff that you thought about uh back in that time that you can think about was yeah, that healthcare is way too expensive. Uh, we have I think Bernie's been pretty good on wars and all that. You know, we don't don't like the don't like the wars, whatever else it is. Um, they're right about a lot of the problems, but not so right on what all the solutions are, unfortunately. And we've even said to a lot of the Bernie supporters in the past, like, okay, let's say Bernie is amazing and perfect, and he is the guy that could solve this. 
who's after Bernie? Because he's kind of old. And so can you guarantee me that some other virtuous angel is going to take over after him? No. And that's that's something I harp on a lot is um, any power that you think the someone should have in the presidency or in Congress or whatever, imagine your absolute worst enemy having that power because it's almost a, a, a guarantee that eventually, given enough time, someone resembling your worst enemy will in fact gain power. And for a lot of people, that was Donald Trump. You know, the at cartoonishly, a cartoonish example of your worst enemy. And there, there he was. And he used a lot of the powers that previous administrations had, had consolidated. It's like both of the sides think that they're going to get power and then hold it forever because, you know, people who like, say, the Patriot Act or whatever it was, well, you don't want Obama to have those powers, but you still give it to Bush and you think that, I guess, McCain's going to win and then Romney's going to win or whatever, but ends up being Obama. And all those powers that Obama took, guess what? No one thought we were going to have Donald Trump after that at all. And then we kept all the spying apparatuses that we have. And now look at what we have now with the, with what the FBI is doing and what the NSA, that what the Department of Homeland Security does and all that. Like, have are Republicans going to realize that it's the power's never good? Are Democrats going to realize that that power's never good? I, I does it doesn't seem likely, does it? <laughs> no. But I, 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 but like I said, I do think that there are. I mean, I think it starts with with storytelling. That's another video that that we have in production. Um, people respond. I mean, it, it started for me with Rand with fiction, right? The power the power of storytelling, and I I think that's our 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 ultimate. Trump card, no pun, no pun intended, um, to, to, to sway people is we have to get better at evoking emotion at telling stories, whether that's to, to kids, to college students, to adults. Um, and that's, and that's something that I take a lot of pride in working for learn Liberty and students for Liberty. That's what we need to focus on. And that's how we need to develop ourselves as as storytellers. Yeah. I like that idea a lot. Let's stick on that for a minute. Like, what is it do you think about, uh, what do you think it is about storytelling that is so important? Like why that works uh, better? Is it because it's not so obvious and in your face up front that it just kind of creates these ideas in the background that you build off of or what is it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's exactly that. And it's empathy. You see someone, you see yourself in, someone else in some fictional character as it as it might be and and you can relate that's more um maybe with it's more hardwired into human consciousness or or something or something like that i'm not Mm -hmm. putting it well uh but it's more hardwired into us than just logic you know a a plus b equals c i think that taxes people uh because it 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 makes you work a little bit harder and that's, and that's fine because we have the, the pro Liberty message, uh, is better from a logic perspective. There's no doubt about it, but we also have a message that is compassionate and loving and appreciative of, of humanity and all its foibles and, and flaws. Um, 
and and that that needs to be more front and center of our of our movement i would say i totally agree uh, not to mention one of your competitors but we gave a speech at the young americans for liberty uh, conference a couple of years ago and our speech was about how libertarianism was the most compassionate ideology that there was and it doesn't seem like that uh, but sometimes i don't know you could say tough love is the is the best love um that's we actually propose things that could really solve people's problems. We don't just throw up fake solutions. Like we actually want to help uh, healthcare or inflation or housing prices or whatever it is that people are going through. They don't like, we're the ones throwing out ideas that could truly solve those problems. It's not as easy. It doesn't, well, actually it's pretty easy. You just let the market kind of do it, but it's actually way easier but it doesn't sound as easy to everyone when you just say, I'm going to fix this for you and then you're going to have a great life. And so you don't sound as compassionate as the other sides do, but it's actually more compassionate. And another, another aspect of the uphill battle, I would say, is that action feels so much more impactful than inaction, right? Like what we promote is letting the mar- is, is hands off letting the market do its thing, letting free people do their thing. But for some reason, that's just not satisfying. You know, you want to take action, you want to do something, promote this policy, this plan, this whatever, uh, because that would, I guess, give you, give you would earn credit somehow for doing that, but no one's going to earn credit for taking their hands off the wheel. It's a really tough thing because it's tough to predict what the market is going to do to solve problems. Uh, that's kind of why it's the market and why it's so good. Like you can't predict if we could predict it, then, you know, we'd be worth billions of dollars and be these master inventors and investors and whatever. It's tough to predict what the market's going to do in the future to solve problems, but the market really does find a way to solve uh, pretty much all of the problems out there. And, that's a tough sell for people like what you were saying, because it's not a, it's not a guarantee thing and you can't tell them exactly what it's going to do because someone, someone out there in their garage is creating a solution that's going to solve all the world's problems someday. And we don't even know about it right now. And we can't say what it is. If we could, then we would do it. Uh, but we know that people in the market are, are going to come up with these things. We've seen it happen over and over again. Geez, I just read an article about how Elon Musk is turning on Starlink in Iran because Iran is turning off the Internet because of all the protests that are going on out there. And so now he's uh, activating Starlink in Iran. But I couldn't have told you he was going to do that 10 years ago. Like, I'm not going to write on the piece on a plan uh, for the, you know, on my congressional election that... Elon Musk is going to turn on Starlink and Iran when they're dealing with protests someday. I can't tell you that, but it happened. And, and those are some of the really good examples. I guess we got to keep pointing out. Yeah. The famous line from Henry Ford, it, it, he might not have actually said this, but if, if I, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said fast, uh, faster horse. Yeah. Right. Um, there was no way to predict that. I mean, I, I, I read an article recently and I want to record a short about it for our, our TikTok channel about uh, some of the haters of innovations like the electric light bulb, bicycles, cars, the printing press, the telegraph. Some of the, they dug up some of the 
the biggest critics of all of those things in the you know in the early days and mm-hmm. it is really it is really funny like the uh, electric street light someone uh you gotta stop someone wrote in a, in a gotta... magazine said that this is going to encourage people to be outside more often and that's going <laughs> to lead to more colds yeah more 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 sickness because they're outside at night and in the dark um that was and and, and here and here we are everything is is illuminated all the time well, yeah, and it's it's like Henry Ford. I love that Henry Ford quote, and I hope it's real because I've said it a bunch of times. I I really hope that it's a real quote. Um, but you know, Henry Ford didn't know when he was doing what he was doing uh, that someday, well, because of this, clearly you're going to be able to get on your smartphone and call someone with a Model T to come pick you up uh, when you've had too much. Uh, to drink some night when you're in a big town. Um, he didn't realize that that's what, what he was doing at that time. And neither did anyone else when they were inventing the smartphones. Like we just keep coming up with these ways to make the world better and better. And I don't know if we need to just become more predictive about how the market's going to solve some of these problems and lay out plans and solutions in front of people so they can actually see those potential solutions that the market would come up with because i th- i think people need a a plan they they need a proposal f- to make them feel like what we're talking about is compassionate like well here's what the market's going to do and that's why it's more compassionate than what these people are talking about um like i said i don't think i've i don't think i'm smart enough to do that i hope some other people are no, and, and that's another aspect of the pro-liberty message is humility, that we are not smart enough to know how, how all this works. We, don't, we can't put a plan in place. We can't predict it. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a – and I think that's an attractive quality for other people who are unconvinced is if we push forth, push forth our, our true humility um, – I, th- I think that's another angle of this that could that could be persuasive. Unfortunately, it ends up being the people uh, who are narcissists that end up winning all of the elections and taking control over not quite the uh, not quite the humble people out there. Um, well, let's talk about Students for Liberty a, a little bit and and learn liberty. Some of you want to just kind of tell me what the what the goals and and all of those organizations are and and kind of what you're doing to do what we are talking about right now? Well, Students for Liberty is uh, an organization that's been around for 15 years now, I think, um, with the goal of creating multipliers for liberty on college campuses. Um, You know, there's some other nonprofit organizations that are like us in some ways, but a lot of them have more of a focus on political campaigns, winning elections, and that's 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 great. You know, that's one one tact. But what we want to spread are the ideas of liberty in young people who are then going to create businesses um, and and do and do big things, but with the with the ideals of of liberty deeply entrenched in them. So that might be politics, but it might be starting the, a, a company. Um, might be creating a product, whatever it might be. We want, um, we think the message of liberty can be further multiplied um, at a more 
ground level, more more grassroots level than just getting libertarians elected to Congress, for example. Well, you got to you got to have uh, some really deep, wide ranging roots for that tree of liberty, you know, for it to keep growing. So it kind of sounds like what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so on college campuses, I mean, we've got we've got chapters at all over the U.S., uh, all over the world, really. Uh, I mean, at our staff retreat in it was actually in Madrid, which I was proud of because I knew the city so well, having lived there. But at our at our staff retreat last month, uh, we had people from all over the world, people I, I didn't even I, I hadn't met. I didn't know where they were from, um, but it was really cool. And I remember I drew a little diagram. We were sitting around this U, U-shaped table and I noticed the, the country of origins from from all these different people. I mean, we, we had around the U shape, we had eight or nine different, different countries represented. Um, and so, uh, we're going to be giving, we're going to be at, at Liberty con in Miami. We're going to be giving, uh, awards for, for things like our student of the year event of the year, um, alum of the year, uh, all of, all of, all of these great things that people are doing throughout the world to, spread the ideas of liberty yeah and so at liberty con which you just mentioned which we're going to be going to you're going to be there and you mentioned that there's some other reasons that people might want to go there also other than other than us that's going to be there so who, who else is it looking like it's going to be there right now well uh got some some big stars i would say of the of the liberty movement uh john mackey is on our our board of directors, I believe he's uh, retiring soon as the CEO of Whole Foods, but he uh, is a, is a big promoter of what he calls conscious capitalism, which speaks to what we were talking about earlier about the, the, the humanity in our, in our message, right? The, the, the empathy that's there. Um, Inez Cantor freedom. I think I'm pronouncing that right. He's an NBA player. He's an S freedom. Now he, he was an S Cantor, an NBA player from Turkey who, um, has been doing, doing great work to, uh, I mean, he's been, he kind of got, got, uh, blacklisted from, from the NBA for his political beliefs, but he's a great advocate for Liberty. Wait, he actually changed um, his last name to freedom. And that's freedom is his name. Yeah. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Uh, and Gosh, who else? Uh, some of my favorites. Lee Lee Schooland is uh, uh, from. She's from China originally, and she speaks out a lot about the horrors that are that are taking place um, that are taking place there. She's involved with uh, with with a lot of uh, international pro liberty movements. Uh, who else? Anthony Davies is the big star of our Learn Liberty channel. We have. Uh, we feature him once every three months or so every on, on our channel. And, and he's a professor of economics at Duquesne university, but with a, a very classical liberal, um, bent. So and, it's, be, it's uh, his, because of that channel, by the way, sorry to interrupt you because of the learning Liberty channel that I found Anthony Davies, uh, who was in my opinion, one of the, the best economists out there. And especially as far as delivering the message, uh, we've had him on the show now two or three times, and he is just one of the best out there that, that I've heard. And um, 
their uh, their podcast, Words and Numbers. I got to mention uh, Professor Davies' podcast real quick, uh, just just in case anyone hasn't heard me talk about it before. So yeah, maybe we'll get to uh, talk to him again when we're there. I'm really excited to meet him. He is so te- he's such a he's such a big star for our channel. He's so telegenic, um, but I've only met him via Zoom. Uh, but he's such a good presenter and educator. I, I, I bet students love his classes, um, but meeting him in person and we've even got a, a, an in-person video idea to film with him. So um, that I, I might be more looking forward to meeting him than anybody. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that's that's a really big reason for people to go there. We met him actually at the Students for Liberty, uh, the Liberty Con that was in Nashville uh, last year. He was he was at that. So we did get to meet him there for the first time. And let's see who else. Oh, um, Justin Amash is actually going to be there. He's speaking on Friday night in, in Miami. Um, he, he's a guy who probably needs no introduction. Yeah, uh, I think Spike, we know that. Spike Cohen was, uh, the, was Joe Jorgensen's vice presidential candidate in 2020. And he's someone that, uh, that I interviewed. We had, we hosted a debate on our channel, um, about classical liberalism versus neoliberalism between him, Spike Cohen and, uh, and Bastiat, who is a, uh, YouTube sensation, YouTube star, um, who you might've heard of. He he'll both of, both of them will be there and they're going to sort of, uh, uh, reignite their, their argument, their disagreement on stage at Liberty Con. Now, what about, I see Joe Walsh on here. Is that, is that correct? I see Joe Walsh on the list for the website. Now that's not the guitar player from the Eagles. I think we know that. Uh, but, um, I believe Joe Walsh is a pretty prominent, um, big, uh, if this is the same Joe Walsh I'm thinking about very much not in favor of Trump, which is fine, totally fine. Uh, but he has uh, been one of the more outspoken people about that, as long as that's the one that I'm thinking of. Yeah, pretty sure. Um, yep, yeah. that's that's that, that's the one. And then, uh, um, so so the for, the format of this on Friday and Saturday nights, there are are keynote speakers. Um, it'll be. It, we'll we'll lead off with our CEO, Dr. Wolf von Leer, and he's going to interview John Mackey and then uh, Anthony Davies. Um, Hannah Hannah Cox is uh, is going to be speaking in a panel on um, uh, I think it's something like finding truth in the era of disinformation, uh, and then Justin Amash, yeah, and then um, Joe Joe Walsh. Um, uh, Robbie, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Robbie Soav from, okay. from reason magazine is going to be there. So this is really a, a star studded lineup, um, of pro Liberty. I hate to use the term influencers, but that's what <laughs> they are, uh, of, of pro Liberty folks, thinkers, writers, philosophers, YouTubers. And, um, the, the aim is to, to spread Liberty, but also to talk about a lot of what we've talked about, how to make the message seem cool, you know, and more human, more empathetic, um, and, and more exciting to young people. 
that uh, I'm really pumped about it. I also was telling you beforehand, I've never actually hung out in Miami before. I've only been to the airport several times, and uh, so I am pumped about doing that. We may or may not be staying for a couple extra days afterwards just to hang out uh, for a bit. So, yeah, anyone who's listening right now, if you want to come hang out, that's, a what was it, October 14th, 15th? Is that the October the October 14th and 15th, that Friday and Saturday night. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be getting there a couple days early and stay in a couple days extra to a enjoy the beach, but, uh, but also to, uh, to start scouting locations for what I'll be doing, which is, uh, filming a lot of content interviews with our, our, our students who many of whom will be there and with our, our participants. Um, there's a lot that, that goes into it behind the scenes. So, uh, um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't be more looking forward to it, but I'm also resting up because I know it's going to be like, uh, I mean, you, you've been to these big events and mm-hmm. you, you, you're kind of on, you got to be on when you're meeting new people. And it's, uh, it's, it's almost like a drug. I really find it exciting, but, uh, but man, it's, it's going to zap me of my energy by the time I get home. I don't know about you, but I'm actually, I'm a very introverted person. I, I, I don't particularly like going to big crowds of people and like talking and being around a bunch of people, but I do enjoy it when I go and do it. But man, it just, like you said, it zaps me. I'm ready to pass out afterwards. It's like I black out and I talk for like 12 hours and I have no idea what I said during that entire time. And then I just crash afterwards. And uh, when we were at Freedom Fest, we did about 30 interviews in two days and just marathon interviews the whole time. So hopefully we can work out something like that uh, this time as well. Now, before, before we go, I've got a, a, I'm sorry to harp on what we already talked about at the beginning. I do hope everyone that you work with realizes that this does, this needs to be condensed into a, into a plan for how to switch from socialist leanings or whatever over to libertarianism uh that's got to be if we now first off i hope you donate your body to science hopefully it doesn't happen for like a long time but we need to donate your body to science i'm planning to live to at least 180 so not for quite some time all right we could be screwed by that time (laughs) but uh all right plan number two we're just gonna have to make it into a book or something like that but okay the one thing i want to figure out is a tough thing when someone's entrenched in an idea is to get them to be open to other ideas afterwards. I don't know if you would consider yourself entrenched in an idea or if you're someone who has always been open to other ideas, open to being wrong, open to changing your mind, or if it just randomly happened. Um, I What I'm so interested in is you know to actually talk to someone and get them to consider things, they need to be skeptical of even their own beliefs. And is that a quality that you already had? Yeah, I just was all always, um, all, yeah, o- openness to, to new ideas, I, I would say is something that I, that w- was always a part of me and something I took, took pride in. Like, even if I disagreed, I would always find myself saying, huh, that's interesting. Or, huh, that, that, that's something to think about, even if that challenged my position. So, yeah, I mean, as, as much as I would like to provide a, a blueprint for bringing 
for bringing folks around. I, uh, it's something I want to think about more and you're right. Uh, maybe I should write, I should write a book about it or, or, or an essay. Yeah. And in fact, I, I have been noodling, uh, no- noodling with that idea. Um, but I, I don't know if I, if I'm the, the, the blueprint for it, because I, I kind of had an openness to new ideas. And like I said, a very statistical, logical bent to my, to my thinking. Um, but if nothing else, I, you could call me a success story, proof <laughs> positive that it is possible, even, uh, even if not on a scale of millions and billions of people, but you know, it, it can just start with, it can just start with one. I think the, the biggest change is in yourself and that's where it all starts before you try to change the world, improve yourself. And so if, if we each make a, a little vow to ourselves to be the best people we can as empathetic and as loving as we can, maybe we end up each changing one person's mind, even if it's only slightly, that would still result in a better world for the long run. That's great, man. Yeah. I, uh, if you do, if you do work on that book or essay, or maybe it just needs to be a story, you know, you can make it into a fiction work of some kind, you know, that would be a pretty good idea. And now, and now that I think about it, I, one idea I've written down for an essay is, is to the, the book lies. My teacher told me, I don't know if you've heard that one. It's, it's one I read in high school and it really hit home for me because it kind of identified all the narratives, all the nonsense narratives that are sold in, in high school history textbooks. So I was assigned to read this by a really good perceptive history teacher I had in high school. And it just went very much with my personality of, of question of questioning myself, of going against the grain a little bit. And, um, I, I think it's the, the kind of, the kind of thinking that we, we could all benefit from is is questioning, let's call it official narratives or official versions of history. Completely agree. That's kind of where I've landed on it. Also, uh, I used to have a teacher in high school on the board behind him. He had written seek the truth really big in letters. And I don't know what it meant or what exactly he was talking about. Uh, you know, he wasn't a fan of like the war or George Bush or anything like that. He always had seek the truth on the board and that idea seek the truth, uh, just always stuck with me. And it made me always skeptical about everything. I'm skeptical of people that are skeptical about things. And so it's very I, meta. Yes. I'm questioning everything all the time. And I think that is a really important, uh, I think that that's, I think that's a really important quality and that could be the identifying factor is to figure out how to, how you can help people to at least question things. And if you can honestly question things and honestly look for the answers, uh, then hopefully you land in the truth in the right spot uh, eventually, but maybe you don't have to push them there. You just get people to question things and then make it there. Yeah. And it's, it's a delicate balance coming off, not in like a conspiratorial way where, Oh, Oh, you know, tinfoil hat, Oh, question, question everything. But if we come at it in our conversations with people on a day-to-day basis, earnestly, like we, we have to be earnest and honest when we ask these when we ask these questions, because people, people have a good BS detector, you know? And so if, if they get the sense that we're, 
we're, we're just uh, being devil's advocates just to stir the pot, which is something I get accused of a lot, by the way, and I hate <laughs> that, but I, I understand where it comes from. We have, we have to come at these things um, earnestly. That's important. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate your time this morning. Uh, I am excited to meet you in person. I'll make sure that we are able to to connect and hang out a little bit while we're down there. Once again, for everyone listening, Liberty Con is in Miami, October 14th and 15th. A bunch of great speakers there. You can come by and hang out with us at our table, although not too much. Don't make it weird. Okay, just come by <laughs> and say, hey, you know, I'm not talking, not talking to you, Trevor. I'm talking about, well, they know who I'm talking about. Uh, I don't have to name anyone by name, but anyway, it's going to be a fun time. If you're in the area or within like 15 hours driving distance, let's say, then I, then you can make it there easily. Yeah, this is, this is really the biggest event. This is, uh, I think Spike Cohen called it the Super Bowl of, of liberalism or pro 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 liberty thought this is this is the the big event we've got a great great lineup and like we said it's going to be one of those things where you're going to meet so many people and make so many connections and learn so many things you're going to be just exhausted afterwards but that really good kind of exhaustion yep it'll be worth it all right man thanks so much i appreciate your time my pleasure thank you for having me